It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Feckin' Check-In, Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. Show. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Feckin' Check-In. I am Trainer, and with me, as always, is my co-host Toomey. How are you doing on this Thursday evening, Toomey? I am very good. I believe it's Thursday the 29th of April. Is that correct? It is completely correct. Great. Uh, I was driving home today from work, and I was caught in horrendous traffic, and I was thinking, this is what's coming around the horizon, all this back-to-work stuff. Uh, this is what you get. I hope this isn't a funny observation. No, it's not, I'm not just shooting a, a funny <laughs> observation. Do you, do you know what came through my mind as I was sitting in traffic? Sitting in traffic was I'm going to record this and then put it on TikTok. But then I decided not to because I'm not a 17 year old girl. I had to remind myself of that. That's good. You, you, one does have to remind oneself one isn't a 17 year old girl. Yes. Often. Correct. I find. Yes, but but really bad traffic the last week or two is which is the the kind of the downside about things opening up again or things beginning to open up again in Ireland. Uh, there's lots of good points as well, but the commuting is certainly something that I won't miss. <laughs> yeah, the traffic has been a load of shit. I've noticed it as well. Even though I'm I'm not a driver myself, but being in other people's cars or what have you, um, yeah, it's it's not great at all. Yeah, it's it's like back to what it was really. Yeah, and there was this kind of silly season during the lockdown where you could get anywhere in Dublin if you were in a car in like 15 or 20 minutes. You're just flying around the place. It was great. Yeah, those um, days are gone. Correct. Uh, yes. So that was that was kind of a little bonus anecdote from from my life. And uh, how, how are you? <laughs> Any anecdotes from your life? <laughs> I'm grand, thanks. Uh, yeah, no, it's, you know, just chipping away. That's what things people say, isn't it? Um, I... Uh, as a as a complete bonus of of moving full time into the bedroom when recording podcasts, I now have managed to get the best ever sound out of my Blue Yeti. Um, previously, in other rooms, there's been a lot of echo, reverb, and stuff. And I know you used to kit your room out with soft furnishings and stuff, but this room naturally has a lot of soft furnishings in it because it's my bedroom, obviously. And I've noticed. Um, I also got rid of the crackly sound on my Blue Yeti, and now it it sounds better than it ever has before. So it only took. Uh, how long? Nearly two years of recording podcasts to get a to get a pristine sound from the from the Blue Yeti and the room situation. But uh, I'm very happy with what I have now. If you remember, I di- I was nudging you towards recording in the bedroom, but you, you were you were slow to move on it. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I I have a desk and a chair now, and I had the chair sitting in its box for months, and my job paid for a desk and a chair for every employee up to the value of three hundred euros. So I spent like a hundred quid on a desk. It's grand. It's like a folding table. Like it's fine, um, but it's big enough for my computer and stuff. And the chair I spent like about hundred and seventy euro on. So it's a very expensive, fancy chair. And for some reason, I just had a mental block about setting it up. I didn't set it up for months. It sat there, and the box itself became a piece of furniture in my bedroom. Uh, so I just <laughs> had this box fixture, and I used to put things on top of the box then. Um, and the box box became kind of like a table area in my room. And uh, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? So I, I set up the chair and now I have this desk and chair situation and it's really good. And uh, I obviously have the new PC. So all of those things had to come together really for me to... It's not even a new PC. I've had it for six months. But all those things had to come together to uh, to make me move into the bedroom full time. But yeah, it's worked out really well. 
Makes sense. Yes. Any podcasters out there. Yeah. The more soft stuff you have around where you record, the better. The The more hard stuff, the worse. That's that's just the extent of my knowledge. I can't explain it any further, but that's the general rule. That is. Yeah, uh, that's it. Exactly. So there you are. Uh, by accident, almost. That's now happened for me. And uh, it's working well. The rumors were true. Excellent. Excellent. Right, so let's get into this. It's the feckin' check-in. Do your little intro bit there. Look, uh, do I do the intro? Oh, I do, yeah. don't I? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this this right here is the feckin' check-in. It's the podcast about funny observations, entertainment, culture, and kernels of truth. And together, that means feck and trainer. Will you lead us out for your funny observation from April 2021 uh, I can do that But I thought we were going to start with culture this week This month Excellent See, that was, That's what you get here on the feckin' check-in You get that kind of swerve ball, curve ball I was testing you out You're absolutely right Now lead us out, if you will, if you'd be so kind <laughs> Your cultural observation of the month uh, Well this is a joint cultural observation And it's to do with the culture of football uh, But I have a little tie-in myself But you brought this to my attention. Actually, it wasn't. It was social media and our own WhatsApp group with our with our school friends brought it to my attention about how the culture of football is changing a lot. And uh, I said I suggested to you maybe we should do a, a part on this on this month's second check-in, and it ties in with one of my interests. But um, maybe you should start on what's been going on in football. Yes, as people have been uh, following, probably there's been the talk of the formation of a Super League for the best most uh, richest clubs in England and France and Spain and uh, Germany there was talk of German clubs getting in there as well later uh, but it was but it was basically a, it was going to be a it wasn't a monopoly type of league but a duopoly or an oligopoly if my economics Ooh. terms are, are correct Stan uh, Kelly shout out yep yeah. <laughs> uh, where a group of the most richest and powerful clubs were going to go and break away and form a European Super League where they were guaranteed to be in it every year and there was no promotion or relegation from the league it was just these uh, 12 clubs to start off that were just going to play each other all the time and break away and like siphon off all the profits etc um, but yeah it was, it's, so this, it's kind this of, is like exhibition matches just because they're massive clubs and there'd be value in that basically like Apollo Crews versus Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. Yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> or Apollo Creed. Sorry, Apollo Crews is a wrestler. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I guess like they would say that this is a, an official European Super League and they would think that those matches would be very high quality and that they'd matter to people and the fans would get used to it. That would be their perspective on it, maybe. that They wouldn't see it as an exhibition league, but... Yeah, hypothetically, it would be an exhibition league, and it would lose its uh, appeal quite quickly. I think. But uh, on the culture of football, it's kind of like the the latest phase of what's happened in football. Uh, I don't want to bore the listener, <laughs> but when I started following football in the early nineteen nineties or late late eighties, when I was four, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I was a huge fan. <laughs> Um, football was about kind of teams from different areas. It's like so, Ireland we never really had a popular 
league and uh, the quality was pretty bad in previous decades and so we are Irish people generally the most popular league would be the Premier League in England so just yeah. talk a little bit about that that back then you had different clubs from different areas of England and each club had its own identity its own history you had players from those particular areas um, so Liverpool play, team would have five or six Liverpool-born players in the team. Same with Manchester and same with the, the London club. So it was kind of like, it was that kind of local feel that kind of each team had an identity. And then it kind of progressed on. Uh, the Premier League was formed, I think, in 1992, if I'm right. Uh, could be that's wrong a, there, but somewhere in the right. mid-90s. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. We'll go for that. And then it started to, I suppose, the, the TV money started to come in and it started the English Premier League started to become a more global um, attraction so you started to get more fans all over the world like off in Asia and America and all like all around the world and what happened then was was money more money started to come into the game and then very slowly more foreign players started to come into the game so the team started to to lose the local players playing for the team and that's part of globalization and stuff like that so you can kind of like make peace with that it's not a, a necessarily a bad thing but it just it, it over the over the years it became that a team from a particular area would have pretty much no one from that area uh, yeah. playing in the team and, and an exception was kind of man united in the late 1990s where they had like they had about five or six uh, players from Manchester who came through the the youth academy, uh, but that was yeah that w- that was kind of unusual. And then they kind of all retired at the same time. So then Man United, as one of the main teams, went on to to, to mainly have foreign players and players from different parts of England. And um, what also started to happen was that the money that came into English football wasn't fairly distributed. So the top teams started to get more and more money and the people at the bottom started to get less money. So the top teams would just start to buy the best players from all over Europe and uh, there there started to be a huge gulf between the top six clubs and the rest of the Premier League. So the competition, the the true competition uh, of kind of being on an even uh, starting point with the other teams just went away gradually and this has all happened gradually and as a fan you're kind of watching it and you're, you're kind of holding on to that old identity that the club had that old memories the rivalries from different areas of, and what it all meant yeah. so so that all kind of went on it was kind of like okay there's there's teams here they're, they've no local players and they have players from all over the world but at least we have the identity of the club yeah. the history of the club the fans and all that so people were like okay we can make peace with that and the quality of the, the Premier League was was increasing all the time the football was getting better so it was kind of it was becoming sexier with sky and all that um but then over time more and more money came into it and it then became about like you're only going to have a chance to win the premier league if you invest significant amounts of money in your team that's the primary factor so so it's no longer about skill or coaching it's about who can put in the most money into a team and then the, the team started they changed their ownership model they all started to become private companies and then they they were built they started to be bought by like billionaires like from America and uh, Russia and where else the Middle East as well started to buy up all these English clubs mm. and as Arsene Wenger the, the uh, ex-Arsenal fan 
or ex-Arsenal manager said, it became like financial doping. So it wasn't about any skill, any practice. It was just about like these obscene amounts of money being pumped into teams, buying all these players, pay, pay, paying them amazing, amazingly huge salaries. And we were still like trying to lie to ourselves, trying to say this is competition between Man United and Liverpool and Chelsea, like all the and then these all these new clubs that had no history, had no legacy or very little legacy, like Manchester City, who were a pretty shit club for years and years. They just got a Middle East owners who pumped millions mm. and millions into the club, and then they started dominating were, and winning. Were they everything. not in the Premiership in the early nineties or the mid nineties? Yeah, they would have been floating up between the Premier League and the the league below that. So they would have been a yo-yo club between those two divisions. Um, And they would have won a few things over the years, but they were never a top club. They were never that popular. Um, But now they just win everything. They have the best coach because they pay him the the most money. They have the best facilities. They have the best players. And they just come out of nowhere with no history and no legacy. And there's loads of clubs mm. like Manchester City all over Europe. So people like me, who are now referred to as legacy fans, don't like that. <laughs> and um, sorry if this is boring to listener now. I'm sure it's, not, it's actually very interesting. No, I, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so where, where it's got to now is it's like, so it was all this like drift of lack of competition, lack of identity, lack of meaning. And I think when the Super League came about, it was like the the peak of that. It was like, okay, lack of identity, lack of competition, lack of anything. Just let's pump some more money into it. Let's let's get rid of all the competitions that these teams are in and let's just go off ourselves. And that was, for me, it was kind of almost like a relief as well when they said it because it was like, um, at least it's out in the open, all this shit like that all the fans have had to sort of ignore because all the fans are getting increasingly angry with all these big clubs because the owners have no identity within the clubs. They don't uh, often mix with the fans. They're taking profits out of the clubs all the time. And And the ticket prices are really high. It's all about money. It's less about the local fans. And it, there's like a combination of all of that. And, and at the same time, it's really weird because the quality of the matches, the quality of the players is much better. So you're watching a yeah. higher quality product, but at the same time, the meaning and um, enjoyment and emotion of it is completely taken out of it. And that's where the Super League, the breakaway Super League kind of epitomized that, like how meaningless it's got. basically you can watch a match or two every single night of the week Uh, and this was going to be an additional league on top of all of the existing football it wasn't going to take the place of anything else yeah that's right it was going to be like a midweek league so they'd still stay the idea was they'd still stay in the premier leagues but they play like these matches every wednesday on top of all the other uh, like cup competitions and everything they'd be involved in. So you'd just be absolutely saturated with football and also there was a european wide league where uh, it would have been a real treat uh, usually for Man United, for example, to play against Barcelona. But if they're playing like two or three times a season, like the the kind of treat or the the spectacle of that uh, is decreased. So yeah, it would be complete sa- saturation. The headline matches are kind of given away far too often, or would have been had this come into effect. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's it's like that with the saturation of football because. Like years ago, all the football matches used to be on a Saturday at three o'clock, and that was you could set your watch to it. There'd be most of them, ninety percent of the matches would be at Saturday at three o'clock, and there might be a one Super Sunday match uh, on a Sunday at four o'clock. But then over time, it started it started to to go that the matches were spread out 
over every day. So now it's like there's a match every single day of the week. And that means there's a new story every day of the week. And it also, that means in turn that any one story is less consequence because there's another story coming along the next day and the next day and the next day. And you're just like watching a match and you're like, well, it doesn't really matter. This particular match doesn't matter because there's another one coming tomorrow. Um, so there's all this combination that like people like me, and this is one of the reasons I ended Feckin Football because it was like, I really love football, but like I, the, my connection to it has completely gone down in recent years. And it's just a, it's just something now I have on in the background. That's how I'd look at yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. And um sorry, did you mention as well like they were trying to appeal to like the Asian market and international markets with this league? I don't know if you mentioned that along the way you did, did you? Yeah, well I could expand on that a bit. I think I read an article in the Irish Examiner uh about that. I can't remember the author, but he was saying like all the fans protesting and stuff in uh England, the the local fans are like they're kind of out of touch with the reality in a way because these owners only care about the global market now. So who, if, if from their point of view, they're probably thinking, who cares if the, if the fans from Manchester disengage when I've got two billion fans coming from India and China? Um, right. So, so that's, that's really kind of, I think that side of things is very offensive to the local fans who... Uh, they're, not, they're, not, they're not concerned about the people who would be down in uh, Fulham buying a, a pie and a cup of Bovril. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's a completely different type of fan and it's it's like I can relate to it a bit because I'm late, like I only started being a fan of NBA basketball uh, late in my life. So I don't really have a connection to any of the American basketball teams. I, I'm more mm. interested in the players. So I'm a kind of a hypocrite over, like because I, I just care about the quality of the basketball and certain players that I like to watch. Um, yeah, but that's just a kind of a side point. That's the other flip side of it that I'm part of this as well. I think it's to do with globalization and the global audience as well as a is a part of it. Um, but you found sort of similar in, in wrestling. You were you were, we were talking about yeah. So look, I I don't watch sport. We all know that. I never stopped mentioning that. And I I like so I I used to be. I'm gonna say used to now because that's the those them's the facts. I used to be a big wrestling fan, and I just noticed so many parallels with professional wrestling to what you've been saying about football and what I've been hearing about football. And yes, just for the new listener or anybody who thinks that I think wrestling is a legitimate sport, obviously it's not. It's a form of entertainment. But there were so many parallels between it. It's unbelievable. So uh, the WWF or WWE has been the big name in in wrestling for a long time. Um, But in the 90s, uh, WCW, which was kind of a regional like you talked about regional football this was a regional southern in the southern states of the u.s promotion uh that was never really expanded to the national levels that the wwf did until it was purchased by um actually it was the the organization was called jim crockett promotions and it was purchased by ted turner who owned time warner um in in 88 1988 and he put it on his turner network television um and it wasn't doing very good ratings whatever and they then this new guy took over called eric bischoff and he went up to ted turner and ted was like what do you need to compete with the wwf and eric bischoff was like i need um i need a, a two hours on a monday night that's when the wwf had their their prime time show monday night raw so ted turner pumped millions of dollars into wcw and Eric Bischoff, who was running it, became known as ATM Eric. So he started poaching all of the big-name wrestlers from the WWF, the likes of Diesel and Razor Ramon, Hulk Hogan, uh, all these wrestlers. And wrestlers were just kind of jumping ship because they were getting more money in WCW. Um, now, that lasted a few years, but that was kind of the start of money-controlling 
professional wrestling really um and it wasn't about um the wrestlers or the territories anymore but it was more about like people jumping ship for a bigger contract and who can offer the best money and the television ratings and the markets and all that type of stuff um but then like wcw eventually died and was bought by the wwf like uh, in 2001 uh, and then there was really no competition for the wwf and over the last 20 years they basically just had a monopoly over professional wrestling and um because of the way like uh, television has gone, where people are streaming stuff, uh, it's actually affected the WWE in a very positive way in that their programming, because it's live every week, is kind of considered almost as vital as sports programming. Because it's a live show and there's a new episode or two or three new episodes every single week. So they're able to negotiate their television contract money up really, really high. And even though like their television ratings for professional wrestling are the worst they've ever been, um, and there's fewer fans attending live events or obviously none at the moment they've the wwe has done their best ever financial year in 2020 which is remarkable because it's in the middle of a global pandemic where no fans can attend shows but it's because mm. of the television rights money has been so high but it's also because uh, in the last few years a, they've started they struck a deal with uh, a royal royal family in saudi arabia to do two shows over there per year and the saudi arabian people were paying them 45 million dollars per show so (laughs) this was just fucking silly money like uh, absolutely throwing money at them and the saudi arabians were so out of touch or the saudis were so out of touch that they were looking for wrestlers like the ultimate warrior and yokozuna and people who were dead (laughs) basically Uh, they just wanted a spectacle a big show to put on in a big stadium and uh, they were just dumping money on on wwe so I, i find the parallel there between like uh, so, so sorry, because of this, WWE was like, well, we'll bring in Goldberg, who's like out of shape, out of touch in his 50s. Uh, we'll, we'll let The Undertaker wrestle a match. He can't really wrestle anymore. We'll, we'll get Shawn Michaels out of retirement. And they started throwing all these veterans at it. And the money was so good, they, they wouldn't turn it down. But it diluted the quality of these shows. These shows were just absolute bullshit. Like like you were saying, like exhibitions. Um, it was just like top, top wrestler versus top wrestler. No storyline, no reason, you know whatever just triple h versus the undertaker for absolutely no reason because people have given us a load of money and it dilutes the overall programming and it it adds more television to what you've already got to watch so there's like 10 hours of of new wwe content a a week (laughs) and then there's like they're throwing in these saudi shows and um also because of that like uh the money is so stupid that the quality of the overall programming has just dipped and the company doesn't care about that because they're extremely profitable. So similar to what you're saying about um, football clubs kind of having new masters, uh, WWE kind of has new masters now because it's the television networks and the Saudi Arabian connection that's kind of running the business to an extent and what they want they will get because they're paying top dollar for it um so like the distribution of money has, has fucked with wrestling as well uh, yeah. but, but it's at the same time like they can get all the best wrestlers from everywhere in the world because there's no competition anymore so and they have and they can offer a massive massive contract so the quality of the actual wrestling matches is better but like the actual show quality has dipped um yeah then, then there's like the, there's the oversaturation of programming as well so like there's a streaming network the wwe network but every other wrestling company out there has its own streaming platform as well so there's like if you wanted to watch all of the first run pro- programming from the top four wrestling companies um in the world at the moment you probably have to dedicate 25 hours of your week to that and um, that's just to watch all of the stuff that's a newly filmed episode of something 
that it was new for that week so like you have to like pick and choose what you want to watch and then because there's so much of it it gets overwhelming um, mm. and, and like you're like you're saying about like oh well there's a match on today that seems important but it won't be important tomorrow because there's something else on it's very <laughs> similar with that and if you yeah. follow two or three companies like two or three different leagues you're just like oh fuck it and, and if you get lost like if you get left behind by a week you're like well that's old news now there's no point in catching up with that and then it just becomes overwhelming and then because they have so much programming they have to keep it interesting so they're putting like their top wrestlers against each other all the time and then those matches become so diluted because you've seen them 10 times before so when it comes oh. around to their biggest show of the year they have nothing new to show you um, so they have to recycle some crap uh, that you've already seen <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's yeah. like it's content it's- overkill and and then you have like this this newer company that's been around for a couple of years now called AEW. So they're the first real competition to WWE in, in twenty years really, and um, they actually have a main a main show on a Wednesday night, a two hour show, but they have three to three and a half more hours of shows of what are essentially dark matches. So they were traditionally matches that wouldn't be filmed, um, and they have all these like low sea level wrestlers wrestling on these and it came to light recently like people are like why are they filming 30 dark matches a week but televising them on these on these b and c level shows and it's because they want to eventually get their own streaming network and to get a streaming network they need to have content so they need to build up their hours of content so they're putting out all this essentially like like not necessarily garbage but completely unnecessary programming for you to follow along with and then you're just wading through all of this stuff and you're like what am, like you, you you just end up getting left behind and it, it's very similar oh. in that like the newer wrestling fans are more interested in five star matches and the quality of the wrestling but people like me like the bit of character development or story or like um interesting happenings on the show when there was only yeah. one show a week and it was 2 hours long and you could keep up with it now there's like 20 shows a week they're all 2 hours long and there's like 20, 25 star matches uh happening on those shows and the internet is going wild about it and i'm just jaded <laughs> yeah i'm just completely fucking jaded by the whole thing it's, and yeah. i loved wrestling like i loved it it was my one of my main hobbies if not my main hobby and now it's just like changed so much a lot of it's to do with money uh, a lot of it's to do with oversaturation uh, and a lot of it's to do with international markets and um i just thought there were a lot of parallels yeah absolutely i can completely identify with all of that and i think there are parallels i think they like with the streaming i think that was one of the uh the goals of the Super League was to break away and each club to have its own individual streaming service. So you can imagine the crap that they'd pump into those, uh, the, their streaming uh, content, their closed streaming zone or whatever you'd call it, their network, sorry. Um, and then the other thing I, that stood out for me there was storylines. I think that like it, that implies meaning. So when there's, you want to watch a match that has meaning and matters and builds into a story, an arc that you can follow. And it's like that with football. It's like when Man United in 1999, they had five or six players from Manchester who just come through the the um, the ranks and and they were written off when they were younger as as people uh, like pundit said you'd never win anything with kids and you had mm. uh, like irish people there you could identify with uh, roy Keane was the captain there was Dennis like, Irwin. there were Dennis Irwin in there for the the yeah. irish people you had and you had like lots of people from manchester so it was like it was a storyline it was like can these people from the area like embedded in the club who really care about the club can they win europe against people like more skillful players playing in in Italy like Zinedine Zidane at the time was playing for Juventus can they beat mighty Zidane and that was a storyline but now it's like Zidane would the equivalent of Zidane would be playing for Manchester City and Man Man United might have like 
the equivalent of I don't, I don't know what I'm saying what I'm saying I know what, what you mean there, there, there's superstars in sedans now and there are just like yeah. a dime a dozen and same with Shawn Michaels yeah. like 10-15 years ago Shawn Michaels would have been seen as the best and most skillful wrestler in the world and now there's like 20-30 Shawn Michaels like uh, the same calibre of wrestling skill as yeah. he does um, and so they ram down your throat <laughs> there's 20 Zinazin Zidans in the Manchester City squad <laughs> there's Zinazin Zidans not even on the first team they, they're on the bench yeah. And you you just start to like the meaning. And so you're right. It's like that with wrestling, higher quality matches, but matches that are at the same time meaningless. It's like, OK, Man City beat, beat Chelsea. Who gives a fuck? Because there's so many errors of first run programming every week as well. They can't write any storylines anymore because you can't write 10 errors of new television a week. It's impossible. And because there's yeah. so much television per week, they have a team of 20 or 30 writers and you can't get a coherent story from 20 or 30 people who are collaborating on 10 errors of first run programming every week. And that's just one company, by the way. <laughs> that's yeah. just WWE. It's complete saturation. It's complete just shoved down your throat. It's like... It's like having Easter eggs every day. Like, like this was a, a month of Easter. Just like a shout Easter out. Egg, if Easter eggs became your regular meals for like 365 days <laughs> yeah. a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. Have another <laughs> Easter egg. Like a super egg, which is like five times the size of a regular Easter egg. Yeah. And then you got sick of the super egg. There's, <laughs> yeah. no, there's no storyline there. You don't, you're not fasting for 40 days of Lent. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't given up that bullshit thing for, for Lent and you're not building up to this egg you're going to get. You're just... Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> but yeah anyway yeah there we go I think we've covered off that one quite nicely we've exhausted that one yeah okay right so that we started with the C. Will we go to the F now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go for it. So the the F is for funny observation. So this is to do with, uh, well, it's to do with a couple of things. So it's about it's exactly almost exactly a year since we did episode two of the Feckin' Check In, which was called Woe Betide. It was released on the twenty seventh of April, twenty twenty, and in that episode, uh, we discussed the famous M and M's commercial where. A husband comes home to see his wife or partner in bed and she's hiding something under the covers and uh, basically it appears that she's been sleeping in bed with an M&M and the husband said you were going to eat him without me weren't you but there's a lot of sexual overtones to it uh, that she's in bed with an M&M and she, whatever <laughs> and then there's another M&M hiding in the wardrobe looking observing the whole thing through the wardrobe whatever anyway I was like basically ridiculing the ad saying it's ridiculous that what are we supposed to Except that she's having a sexual relationship with the M M&M and M, and the husband was coming home. Or the M M&M and M is actually has been like um, it can speak and has arms and legs. So <laughs> they've like turned it into a humanized it, and then so I don't know what which is worse. I think if she was going to eat it, which is kind of like insane, or like eating something that has arms and legs and can speak English and has an American <laughs> accent, uh, or like that she was going to have sex with it, which is even worse, <laughs> probably because it's a sweet and it can walk and talk and whatever. And um, it was just a really, really bizarre ad, especially some, one that was so prominent the in theme, the mainstream. Theme of voyeurism in there. The voyeurism in there as well, sorry. the Of, of the M&M. Voyeurism, yeah, like uh, his mate watching it from the closet about whatever they were going to do, have sex or cannibalism or whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I noticed a tweet um, on Twitter there a few weeks back, and um, I'm just going to bring it up here now. So it was this Twitter user uh, called Janie Godley, and um, she was sharing a video of someone who 
has named the video let's talk about that m&m's advert and she goes i still laugh at the m&m story from ashley story s-t-o-r-r-i-e at ashley story was the user and i tagged uh you in it and then you said ha stolen from father arhash year long my twitter handle of the feckin check-in podcast and uh, this Janie Godley character came back and said, sorry, question mark. <laughs> and then this Ashley Story character was like, hey, friends, that video was a year old. And I've been doing the M&M cook bit, cook, short for cook old, uh, since 2018. So defo not stolen. And then loads of people liked the 28 people liked it. Two people retweeted it. Um, and then a lot of people chi- chimed in. And um, so obviously... You were just joking when you said that, uh, stolen from blah, 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 blah. But uh, it was just hilarious the way the whole thing played out. And it turned into this like social media uh, storm. And it was just a, an off-the-cuff comment. <laughs> I actually I, I, I thought was directing the comment at you. I, I forgot that there was other people in the conversation. You just linked me and then I was just... I, for a moment, I forgot that we were in a thread. And I, I, wasn't, I didn't even pay attention to a, who else was in the thread previously. Um, so yeah. yeah I just kind of meant it, uh, meant it as a joke and then I, I like turned off Twitter and I was doing something else and then you you sent me a WhatsApp message and you were like do you mind clarifying do you mind yeah po- I was like posting yeah. something on Twitter to clarify and I was like what what the fuck why would you want me to do that I know and then this Ashley Story <laughs> character put up several other examples of how she'd been using this uh joke uh, doing bits on it and putting up videos on tiktok and all this type of stuff and it was like just such a, an off the cuff just comment uh, and like it wasn't like it was like ha stolen from blah 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 blah. but like obviously it wasn't stolen it was just a fucking two people the reason i was tagging you in it was because it was somebody else had noticed the exact same thing and i thought it was funny um and they were saying all, almost the exact same comments as i was saying like what the hell is going on here why is the guy in the wardrobe what's she gonna have sex with an m&m uh, etc but um it turned into this almost a social media storm until you came in and kind of said sorry everyone i wasn't being serious it was meant more as a, a joke or a message whatever um but yeah. we still got like lots of comments from friends and supporters of this person <laughs> and they were like chiming in and it was it was kind of like it could have gone terribly wrong <laughs> we, we uh, i definitely triggered them <laughs> we triggered people yeah and what i was about to say is it shows how quickly things can kick off on twitter if you if you offend somebody or if you put somebody out or if you or if you cross somebody let's say whether it's intentional or not if you cross one of the the cult leaders their followers will come at you one of the the fan boy what is it fan boys stands stands yeah and it's very it's very similar to well it's not very similar actually but it draws a small similarity to uh things that are going on at the moment with the likes of taylor swift and um other huge artists some of these artists some of these artists fans have been going insane on on uh social media where if a reviewer gives the album even a mildly bad review um they'll start putting up satellite images of where the reviewer lives and uh saying this person lives at this address and all this type of stuff sharing personal information um all this type of stuff like it's it's gone a bit mental to the point where now like um there were certain bodies encouraging musical artists to to discourage their fans from this type of behavior because it's it's lost the plot entirely that is that is over the top that's yeah it's it's really turning your legion of fans against one human unleash them it's like that um it's like that uh detective craze that's happened in the last few years like people trying to solve unsolved mysteries uh, by banding together all their resources from all over the world like and, and joining forums and doing investigations and put posting up videos and stuff of that. yeah 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 oh, at like least that. pro- that's probably like 
that has um that's a noble pursuit <laughs> like the other it's thing a pursuit anyway <laughs> oh, that's a pursuit yeah anyway so that's a funny observation uh, <laughs> there was another yes. thing on that episode where um you want to you were talking about skipping ropes and you know having to be mike ehrman trout where they're expecting to have pl- pliers and all this type of stuff yeah, it was a slightly different one about the skipping rope. It's a bit of a saga about my skipping rope activities. Um, previous listeners will know that I skip outside my apartment block and I don't like to use headphones because when I'm skipping, the music that oh, I listen to when I'm skipping... That was, that was in a later episode, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, when I when I skip, uh, uh, the headphones come out of my ears uh, So and I tried the in-ear headphones, but they kept falling out as well. And uh, so I... Um, I used I used to put the, the my phone down on the ground and play the music for to help me skipping and to motivate me during skipping because skipping you're standing in the one place you want to hear something like to kind of take your mind off it and uh, then uh, shit was left dry shit was left in the area where I skip uh, yeah. after uh, which I discovered and we were trying to work out was it one of the neighbors who was uh, annoyed and you thought maybe it was because it is pretty annoying when people play music from their phones that transmits around the whole apartment block um my own my own, my only kind of update on that is I actually have found over the ear wireless headphones so now that has solved the whole problems I'm so silly I'm a silly man for not sorting it out quicker the in-ear headphones um like the for example, the iPhone, iPods, equivalent of that for for uh, Samsung, they were just falling out. But you can get ones that wrap around the back of your head and are still wireless. So that's it's solved. And so, that, so that's great. So I do have another slightly different one about it as well. I, I was skipping out there uh, yesterday and this old lady came over to me and she was she, was, she asked me and I can't remember the exact name. She, she said, but are, are you Paul Wright? Yeah. Um, and I said, no. <laughs> so. I think she was just asking that because I was skipping because I've become known as the skipping man outside the apartment block. So I just wanted to add that one in as well. It's probably not that funny or Are you Paul, Paul Wright? Yeah. Okay. And I said no. That was it. Conversation <laughs> was over. It. Conversation over. I said okay. no, 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 no. So there you go. I'm out there. I'm still skipping. No more dog shit, but I'm not disturbing the neighbors anymore because of over the ear bluetooth wireless headphones and interesting that there's been no more dog shit because if it were a dog that lived in the area that happened to just be shitting there then you'd expect to see more dog shit but you haven't seen any so yes i'm leaning more more towards it was a filthy protest oh geez i have another one here that that backs up that story i'm there skipping my headphones there last week yeah and there's there's this man who I see around the apartment, one of these guys who you kind of say hello to if you saw him in the corridor. But this man looks like uh, Santa Claus. Okay. And uh, he's kind of a jovial man. I always assume he's a jolly man because he looks like Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's a bit of like probably about 65, 70. He'd always say hello or nice day today. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was skipping and I had my headphones in and he was walking towards me because he was going to his car. So he was walking directly towards my line of vision so he or has to slay maybe <laughs> probably slay yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so so santa claus was coming towards me and i thought he was going to say hello to me but it mm. turned out he was staring at me staring 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 really angrily really yeah. annoyed at me and i deduced afterwards that he must have been annoyed at me skipping for some reason and where are we skipping me. this time the same same position and this time without the music racket. Sorry, is 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 this in the car park? In the car park, yeah. But you're out of people's way. 
I'm out of people's way this time and I don't have the music blaring because I have it on these new headphones and Santa Claus st- still hates me. Remind me again, remind me again, is there is this an area where a car could be or might drive or park in the car park? Yeah, it's kind of at the side of a car park so a car has to drive past me. Like there's space to, to go past me. Right. Um, but you kind of have to look out for me. I block the vision that you'd have a, a, sl- a small bit or I, I get out of the way when cars are coming as well. Okay, right. So Santa Claus hates you now. Okay, and if you'd like to hear the full stories about those two anecdotes we referenced, uh, the first one was on the Feck and Checkin episode two, uh, which was back in April 2020. And the second one was in the Feck and Checkin episode 25, which is called Dog Shit in the Exact Area Where I Skip. And that was out on the 5th of October 2020. So uh, a couple of callbacks there. Excellent stuff there um, about uh, Twittergate um, and also about dog shit in the exact area where you skipped and Santa Claus as well making an appearance. Uh, so we're going to move. We moved from the C to the F and now we're moving from the F to the K. So this one is a bit all over the place. But to me, why don't you tell us what your kernel of truth is for this week on the feckin' check-in, not this week, this month. Yes, this month's K is about the topic of assertiveness and it's a little skill to help people remember how to be assertive in interactions. Assertiveness is something I have struggled with throughout my life, but I'm getting better at as I get older, just because I'm older and I have more authority, etc. But there's lots of people who struggle with this, so I thought this was a nice acronym. Like the FEC acronym, this has four letters and I thought it might be of interest to the listener. Excellent, go ahead. Yes, so the acronym is FAST. So this is the fast skill to help you improve your assertiveness. So this is for in uh, interactions with other people when you have to kind of ask them for something that you don't want to ask or you have to point out something that they've done wrong or you have to tell them some news that you might not be uh, comfortable with telling them, but you have to tell them anyway. Um, Or it might be just asserting your needs when you've been wronged in some way, etc. So assertiveness is, is the theme. So this is the fast skill for that. So fast acronym F. Be fair to yourself and the other person. A, no apologies. S, stick to your values. And T, tell the truth. Okay. So if you can keep those four parts, if you are fair to yourself and the other person. That's the, that's, I don't know if I should break these down more or maybe I'll just throw them out to you and you can react and then I can fill in the, the blanks after your thoughts. Okay, firstly, I, I feel it's one of these false acronyms which isn't actually an acronym at all okay so <laughs> be fair to yourself starts with a b <laughs> yes so it doesn't start with an f so it's not an acronym it has a bracket to b <laughs> uh, second second secondly no apologies starts with an n correct so it's actually bn bnst so it should be <laughs> <bunst. laughs> yes that's that's true and i i guess uh, that that rolls easier off the tongue to be honest than fast bunst Bunst, bunst, bunst. Much easier to say. The bunst acronym for assertiveness. <laughs> I hate acronyms that do that because it's cheating. They should have been more creative um, and thought of a word that began with F if they wanted to use fast, or else thought of a different acronym word if they wanted to use B. Do you know what, as well, on the acronyms, this is really creeping in, and you might know it from your industry as well, but in uh, 
scientific research, uh, people come together and they do these big research groups and they have a topic where they're going to study on it. So it could be increasing mental well-being across European uh, developing countries or something like that. Yeah. And what they will do is they'll take all of those words and they'll put them into an acronym generator. And what the acronym generator does is it takes out random words placed random letters, sorry, placed anywhere within those words and makes an acronym out of that. So it's it, so it, like if the word was country, it might take the U out of that and you would take that as your acronym. So you would as you're spelling it, you would put C-O-U as the capital and then N-T-R-I-E-S. And it's really... That's absolute bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I have no time for those people. These are scientists. Neither do I. These are scientists. And I, in, indeed, I participated in one of these group projects called the Marathon Project. I should, probably shouldn't share too much information. because I don't like to. <laughs> but it was a complete bullshit acronym and nobody referred to it. It was just like, this is Marathon. And then you try and break it down. But like the the capitals were in, in the middle of the words. It was all over the place. Um, do you know? Do you know whose book was full of those bullshit acronyms as well? Bill Cullen, <laughs> uh, former um, famous Irish entrepreneur and host of the Irish version of the Irish version of The Apprentice, uh, now bankrupt and quiet. Um, but uh, <laughs> he is quiet. He had a second book. <laughs> His first book was an autobiography called "It's a Long Way from Penny Apples." Uh, I think we've mentioned this two or three times before, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in different contexts. Yeah. Um, it's a long way from Penny Apples where he talked about growing up on Moore Street and selling apples to blah, 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 blah. And um, the second one was called Golden Apples. And Golden Apples in itself is an acronym. Like each of those letters is capitalized and stands for something. But it's all those bullshit ones where like it's actually one or two words before the word. And then the word itself, he chew Oh, it's bollocks. Uh, it's full of those acronyms. <laughs> the whole book is a series of acronyms about how to live your life. So much so that there's a... Oh, the saturation, Acu- acronym saturation. So none of them have any meaning. That's, that is goes back to what we were talking like about earlier. Acronym Super League. Yeah, yeah. And what the fast skill that I uh, shared there is from uh, a psychotherapy model called dialectical behavior therapy, and that's full of acronyms. The whole thing. If you get a book for, it's called DBT. Even the it's the name of it is called DBT for sure. <laughs> the whole thing is is just acronyms. They have one called give they have dear man they have uh tip t-i-p-p okay. <laughs> which they're doing acronyms that don't even make any sense um okay this, I, I feel sorry i feel like i undermined your whole kernel of truth there with my my, my side rant so no i actually that. enjoyed the side rant more than than the preachy <laughs> uh fast skill no but anyway it could help people uh to think about it in a different way so okay like be, so if so you, i was supposed to react sorry so be fair to yourself and the other person that seems fair and it seems like a good place to start uh no apologies yeah that's the bit people struggle with i suppose so are, are they offering you advice on how to not apologize for yourself yeah it's, ju- it's yeah exactly it's like don't say sorry when you're asking for something or if you're asserting something that you think is right like we've been we've been inclined to say sorry about that or, or sorry could i bother you there or so we, we have a tendency i think everybody has a tendency to say sorry too much or sorry about that or so it's just and some people yeah. do it a lot and it actually dilutes the message as well uh, because if you're if you're saying sorry you're kind of on the back foot so, sorry would you mind uh, apologies sorry to, to get back to you about that email i sent to you yeah. six weeks ago 
Yes, I thought you that you ignored and deleted. Yeah. Um, I (laughs) used to work with a a lady, and she was really nice and very good at her job. And um, I had to, because of the nature of my role, ask her to do certain things for me, which I'm still not comfortable with. Actually, after being in this role for two and a half years, um, but she used to say sorry a million times in email and vocally on the phone, and I actually said to her a couple of times, "Was like, don't be sorry," (laughs) because she'd be asking me something. That I needed to answer. So I'd be asking her to do work, but she'd be asking a follow-up question, which is perfectly reasonable question, pertinent question. Yeah. And she'd be like, sorry, don't mean to interrupt. Sorry, I know you're very busy. Sorry. And I'd be like, you're grand. That's absolutely fine. Don't be sorry. Um, and if she was doing it out of politeness, but it was like, it had crept into almost every sentence, you know? Yeah, and it can be as, as well to, to do with anxiety as well. It's yeah, the, yeah, it's I think the anxiety, so. Anxiety of, of asserting yourself. So you kind of get yourself a bit, uh, unraveled with it and so you're saying sorry sorry oh no because you're you're kind of more you're actually not because so, i've done it myself i'm not actually sorry that i'm bothering the person with the request no but i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry that i'm in this situation <laughs> where i have to ask them for the request yeah you're, and that's putting me into sorry what mode. you're actually saying is i'm uncomfortable about this <laughs> yes exactly i'm inco- uncomfortable about confronting it it's like when you want to walk you, you want to ask somebody to get out of your way politely in a supermarket. And in England, I've noticed, people will say, excuse me, which is fine. In Ireland, they say, sorry. <laughs> it's like a, yeah. a catch all for like, I'm uncomfortable about this. And they say, you just say, sorry. Yeah. And uh, people kind of go, oh, 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 oh. Sorry for existing. So, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, you, sorry. Yeah, it's funny. All right. Okay, so it said uh, fast. Be fair to yourself. No apologies. S it, what was S? S is stick stick to your values. So don't get derailed in the conversation if somebody comes back with a counterpoint or something that's against your values. So don't sell out in a way because you're anxious in that situation. Yeah. If you can. It's a hard one to do because you like if you're having difficulty with assertiveness, you're probably going to uh, appease people a lot of the time. Yeah. So it's, it's to be really clear on your values and, and maybe plan in your head what the other person could say maybe and what's the tea before we before i go on another minor rant uh the tea well what was the tea oh the truth stick to the truth so in other words don't make up stuff like don't make up a lie about what you're saying like stick to the truth. right so this needs to be ready by end of day and maybe it doesn't uh but you think that will kind of sell it better or something yeah or don't put a spin on it to avoid the confrontation let's say if you need to conf- confront someone in, in an, any relationship about it something don't make up another reason for that like why you're confronting them. right so i've been asked by my boss to ask you to see if you'll be able to get this done sorry <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> nothing to do with me now yeah yeah plenty of people use that one all right the old crutch um what I was going to say is uh, some people take the assertiveness too far and then they become an asshole. That's the, <laughs> that's the fine line. You don't want to uh, yeah. You don't want to fall on the wrong side of that. And it, it, I think it is a, a delicate balance to be struck there between being an asshole and being assertive. Yeah, um, and maybe if you... St- I've certainly met my fair, fair share of people who got a promotion and became a bit more assertive and then became an insufferable arsehole. Yeah, I think like in, especially in those competitive environments, those people who assert and put pressure on people and speak their minds to their people who are in charge of the promotions they do actually get ahead quicker because they're they, they're like bulldoze their way into it and those people are not uh, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> what were we they're what were not. we going we were going to write a song one time called loud confident and wrong yeah <laughs> do you remember that yeah <laughs> 
just because you're loud, confident, and wrong, or just because you're loud, confident, and strong, blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah, uh, I was that was a phrase I heard somebody in in work say one day. It's like they were describing a person who worked in the office, and she was very assertive, but she wasn't necessarily always correct. And this guy said to me, "Is like, yeah, she's one of these people who's just loud, confident, and wrong." <laughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> I thought was that's, hilarious. That is, and then it's it's like the. The other extreme is if you're asserting all the time, then it's actually not good for you or the other person because you're gonna it, people are not gonna like you. It's assertion saturation. <laughs> yeah, and you can probably become a bully as well at, at the extreme, or a narcissist if you're just sticking to your own values and you don't change your opinion based on anything. If to the extreme, yeah. all of that is, or or your truth. If you stick to your your version of the truth and you don't entertain any other facts or other people's opinions. Mm. Then maybe that's extreme. It's, and a, it's, uh, it's mal- malignant narcissism. Great, as Doctor Phil would say. <laughs> again and again, <laughs> malignant narcissism. Uh, all right, all right. So we've done that one now. Uh, that's uh, the yeah. Okay, it's, it seems like a decent acronym, all right, and probably could help people who. Fight. At least, do you know what I think? The world is there's a good balance in the world in that there are more people who are a bit afraid to be assertive than there are who, ones who are assertive to the point of, of being assholes and that's probably the right balance <laughs> yeah and we need to watch those people who are very assertive and very confident like we need to keep them in check i think the unassertive people have to step up i think sometimes and speak up step up their game um yeah okay So that's going to do it for the K. So we've done the C, the F and the K. And that will bring us to the E, which is for entertainment. Now, this was a, a song by the rapper DMX that I came across because it kind of has a bit of a crossover into the music that I like. Uh, it was released posthumously, I believe. Although you might correct me if I'm wrong because he died recently. And it's called X Moves. And the reason I know about it is because it features uh, Steve Howe, who's the guitarist for the prog band Yes, and Ian Pace, who was the drummer for Deep Purple. But it was an interesting crossover because Yes are like a 70s progressive rock band whose music couldn't be any further away from the type of hip-hop that DMX uh, makes or made. And Deep Purple, again, are like a heavy rock band who... And not the type of rock band like Aerosmith who did the crossover at Run DMC, who are really cool and, you know current deep purple are kind of these like they're in their 70s (laughs) and they're still making music so it was just an unusual choice by him to choose those people which brought it to my awareness which is why i listened to it um and then i was suggesting to you maybe that could be our song of the week spoiler but also you wanted to talk a bit about dmx because you were a big fan and he's died recently yeah um i think i don't it doesn't surprise me that much that he would have crossover with um rock uh he's done things like that before and I think one of the strengths of DMX's rapping, in my opinion, was that he would mix in singing melodies with rap. So he would he would say one more time, and he he'd like he'd repeat that. He'd like the singing bit and then the rap, the singing bit, like I'm not doing it justice, but he was very very melodic, and he did a lot of anthems as well, a lot of anthems that you could like sing along with even if you didn't like rap music it had a lot of crossover appeal um 
as well. Like, X gon' give it to you. Yeah. And Rough Riders. Oh, like the Rough Riders roll. Stop. Drop. I'm not going to sing it. Um, but yeah, he had a lot of lot of crossover hits. And uh, he was very shouty as well. But he was also very, very uh, good storyteller. To go back to the theme of today's episode, he, he had an amazing story about his, his life was very hard. And he brought that out in his lyrics. And he had, he had a lot of sensitive songs as well about people around him that passed away. And he he, he did a lot of prayers on his uh albums as well so he's kind of had that very sensitive side to him Uh, he was very troubled by drugs he was involved with crime at different times of his life but he's also very hardcore rapper as well the way he'd vividly describe uh the scenes that he was in when he was growing up and uh in fairness it it has to be said some of his lyrics uh, looking back on it was homophobic um shockingly so listening to it now actually um but that that was i guess that was the time he was in um that rap at that time was very homophobic so he wasn't doesn't condone it obviously but he wasn't uh standing out in any way for that right um yeah well there we are anyway so we'll play that song as the song of the week it's called x moves one other point i wanted to make is that when we were uh, recording rap songs using other people's beats back in 2004 when we first started we used the beat to x go and give it to you which you obviously had an instrumental of on vinyl and um i always assumed it was an exhibit beat because i didn't really wasn't too familiar with who the artists were whose beats we were using uh, but I, I learned today i was today years old people say when i learned that it was actually a um a dmx beat but uh our first ever song wasn't it one of our first ever songs yeah so it was and it's funny that you say he mixed in like melodies and all that type of stuff because i had never heard the original song that that was taken from and i mixed in a, a kind of a it was an early example of me trying to force rock <laughs> sounding choruses into lineup songs where mix into chorus uh, I don't believe in anyone but me oh I remember it well <laughs> yeah remember that song uh, I can't remember what we called it but uh, yeah, there you go that was one of the first four songs we ever recorded using that beat from DMX brilliant so rest in peace to DMX obviously I've uh, been a fan of him for a long time alright so that's going to do it for the feckin check in for April of 2021 uh, if you'd like to contact us on Twitter, it's at Feckin' Checkin. Again, on Facebook, it's at Feckin' Checkin. Nobody ever really does, but we do have a few <laughs> new followers recently. And to, to be honest, Twitter has been kind of... We've been idle on Twitter recently as well, so I we might try and get a few tweets out uh, between now and next month's episode to get a bit of a buzz going there. Yeah. But um, yeah. But if you have any feedback or anything you want to say, give us a shout. That's going to do it for this month. Absolutely. Feck off. Feck off indeed. If it ain't rough, it ain't me, so don't hit me, cause they leave. I've been talking about how motherfucking great D and Max is a demon with his own venom. Don't get rappers and shove the fucking microphones in them. Bitch niggas is trying to hear, so they got to get it. Happy down, you just got back, back. Fuck a shots and with it. I beat the shit out of money, cause you're the solo news. They call me good, just the green, cause it's all I do. I say no more, check that ass if you beef. Bitch, I niggas feel the pressure passing me on the street. Got that bugged out, smoked out, and drunk out flow. But you only empty every spot out to your ass at the flow. And yo, I can go like I'm gone.
Alright. I want everyone to listen to the lyrics of this song. Okay. Here we go. This one's called I Don't Believe in Anyone But Me. This is a collaboration of training and to me. I, I'm searching. I'm always searching. Searching this world for someone I can trust in. These kind of people are often few and far between. The people you meet once upon a lifetime. I come to the conclusion I can only trust my own mind. In every walk of life you meet the naysayers. These people often cling to the real-time players. They ain't got nothing but depreciative thoughts. These are the individuals who end up with not. And I don't believe in anyone but me. Listen, people, I like barriers, but I carry myself over it like I'm a fucking chariot. Fuck all these snakes, for fuck's sake. Parents teaching, reaching for hate. And I'm rave, I'm in a state. My flows are aggressive, my style is progressive. Fuck with me, and you've already learned your lesson. I'm not messing, I keep on stepping up the ladder. My mind is better than yours. You're like a fucking whatever, I'm the umbilical cord sliced off on my sword. You want more? Trainer, yo, hit them with that fucking chorus, yo, keep going. And I don't believe, no I don't believe I don't believe in anyone but me Yo! And I don't believe in anyone but me I don't believe I don't believe in anyone but me Nobody I don't believe in anybody except the best